Hey guys, this is Kim and you are tuned in to the Soul Sense Podcast. Um, We are back for another one. It's me and my trusty wingman, Melvin. Hello. And we're back for another one. So, what's going on, Melvin? What's going on? What's going on? Ah, man. Uh, A lot. Uh, A lot of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then that means not a lot's going Uh, on. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, I definitely had a great weekend. Um, Had a, uh, what was it, our back to school party um, over Dominique's house in my too loud. Just a tad, you know, you tell me not to talk so loud on this, but then you get up over here and blow my ears off. <laughs> Patience, guys, we're checking our, our level. We're getting our levels just right for you. So you can always lean up and turn your, get your headphones comfortable for you. Okay. <clears throat> so back again. Um, so, uh, yeah, we had our... Uh, back to school party, um, and it was really fun. Um, met a lot of cool people. Uh, a bunch, uh, a guy we go to church with had, uh, I mean, it was like 54 people, something like that. Some, yeah, something uh, like that. Good times. Uh, both uh, Kimberly and Farrah won at a musical, musical chairs. chairs. It was really unfair for everyone. I mean, well. Well, just to give y'all a little background, we we're a part in our church. We have small groups, and they're called mentoring groups. Um, and so we're all in the same life stage. So all our kids, we're all married. Our kids are about the same age. And so over the summer, we've been trying every month. We've been trying to have like events to get our friends and families, uh, family members out. And so. Uh, this one was a back to school party. It was in the backyard of our friend's house and, and it it was great. We had a game of limbo. We had sack races, little dance competition, and then the musical chairs. And so I let everybody let it be known. Okay. I love the Lord and I have the Holy spirit, but we're playing a game. (laughs) If, If you guys are not ready to play, then maybe you should sit down, okay? I'm not out here for kicks and giggles. And uh, they they allowed some of the older children to get out there, and I let them know, okay, you out here playing, you're going to play like an adult. There was one little boy out there, he was like seven, eight years old, and he was, I, I want to play. Everybody can play. Okay, so then you're going to play like an adult. I'm going to treat you like one. And so, um, so yeah, I, I basically won, and, and so did my baby. And, uh, yeah, and, and it was wonderful. We got gifts. We won prizes. <laughs> yeah, I think um, one thing about that is, uh, so, I think we can underestimate the power. So, you know, when it comes to what it means to be a Christian and and all of that stuff, man, we can miss out sometimes on on the like the bonus parts of it, you know, just the fellowship and the power of, of that fellowship in, in helping to change people's lives. You know what I mean? I think, um, just as powerful as, uh, even preaching or anything else is like living it out and letting people see, 
uh, love, you know, the scriptures say by, you know, by your love, people will know, uh, know you're with me, you know, um, and it, that's like the stamp of approval. That's the stamp, the, the validation stamp. <clears throat> and sometimes I think we can forget about that. I know for myself, I can definitely sometimes get in my moods to where it's almost like, like I, I dread getting out and going to different functions and stuff like that. And every time I'm there, uh, you know, I end up having a great time and enjoying yeah. it. Mm-hmm. This time I, and this time I tried to handle it differently. You know, I tried to really just get into it and be excited from the beginning. Um, and, and it was, it worked out like I thought it would. It, it was fun. It was a blast. Um, and you know, there was no type of motive behind it. It wasn't like a devotion or nothing like that. It was just getting people out, having a good time. And I think everybody was encouraged by it. Yeah. And everybody was encouraged by my great corn on the cob that I made. It was fabulous. And it was just, you know, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I just, that's all I can say. It was wonderful. I ain't going to lie. That was the best corn on the cob I ever had. <laughs> I, you beat out church's chicken. That was my past favorite. <laughs> well, um, so to keep it real with y'all today, Kimberly and I have have been maybe a little bit at odds, would you say? Yeah, yeah, we are. We were. Yeah, um, a, lot, a little tension. And uh, <laughs> we're just going to keep it real for y'all on this uh podcast um and we're talking about just different ideas and things like that and we are you know we're both super opinionated people um and both are are passionate about our ideas um Kimberly is a little bit I won't say she is more but what I will say Kim uh, you tell me if you feel me, is that like you are, not only are you passionate, but you're very thorough and um, I don't know, man, you're very thorough and methodical and where I can be like, hey, let's just get this a shot. You can be like, let's cross our T's, dot our I's, yeah. let's this, that, and the other. Yeah. And sometimes we can have... Uh, we can have some confusion over that, man. We can yes, have we some, do. we can bump heads where mm-hmm. I'll be like, hey, man, why are you being negative? And she'll be like, I'm just talking reality, you know, and. Those I'm, were my exact words. Were, I was, I was like, I'm talking reality. It's not negative. I just want to know what I'm, I've always been this type of person, even as a kid. I always want to know what I'm facing because then it's like, okay, I can go into a situation with no surprises. And that speaks to how I like to have control, as you can see, because I don't like surprises. I like to be able to control my environment and everything. And so anything that I do, I'm like asking a ton of questions. If I commit to something, you better believe like, I'm going to do it and do it well, where sometimes where the difference with me and Melvin is, he's more of, um, I've always said this, he's more of the dreamer between us. Like he, like if I got a lot of ideas, this brother got 10 times the ideas that I have and they just kind of fly off of his head. And 
I think when they fly off his head, they're just not like, he's like throwing them out like you would in a brainstorm where when I throw out ideas, I'm not throwing them out in a brainstorm. I've probably thought about it for a while before I even uttered the word to anybody. So that's where we're different. Like he thinks it, he says it. I think it, I keep it in for a while and kind of mull over it and be like, is this worth my time? And, you know, and that's just my A type, you know? And so that's where we butt our heads. Cause he's like, you're negative. And I'm like, no, let's think about this. Right. And I come from like the, um, the why not approach where, you know, and in this, in this does lead me into like a lot of, uh, I don't know, just a lot of differing, like people who don't get it. So like, uh, you know, I'm, I don't really see, and I think it's kind of from watching my mom, you know, I don't really see a lot of limitations, you know what I mean? Like I see things as like, uh, I try to I try to think of so if I put out an idea or someone puts out an, an idea, I try to look at it in terms of every nothing is ever perfect, nothing is ever bulletproof. So what can we do to make this thing <clears throat> work? And by the time I think of something, if I start to put my energy into it, I definitely do the research and the you know, I put the groundwork in to uh, make my success more likely. But from the outside looking in, it could really look like I, I'm scattered and in, in just jumping into things. But uh, I, I do it with with some level of confidence and knowing what it's going to cost, you know. But at the end of the day, what it, turn, what it all works out is like, you know, we've been together for... 12 years, 11 oh, years, no. 12 years, 12 years, more than that. 13. <laughs> Maybe more than that, though, because how long were we together before we got married? Now, we we started dating in 05, so it's 13 years. 13 years. Mm-hmm. So we've been together for 13 years. Married and, nine. And, um, you know, we have had a lot of life together, and you know, all the life experiences that people go through those phases of adulthood, we kind of have gone through. Um, I think we have learned to communicate by, you know, just by necessity through that. But what it shows is that, you know, we still have to have to fight to, to learn how to communicate better. We can never get too comfortable because it can turn into like a, now where I think our maturity in communication comes in is that you know I think in in certain things like this we don't let it we're in the past this might have gone on to be like a problem and yeah um but it it was we didn't let it get too crazy which it there's probably still some lingering uh effects or whatever but it works out and there's no real anger or animosity um, towards it and even now we're talking about it here on the podcast it's something that you know it's just it's just life and we we got to learn each other because I, th- I know that in the middle of both of our extremes there's a sweet spot that once we get to the point that we appreciate one another's position and we give grace in the delivery of that position we'll be able to re- really be more effective 
not something I figured out how to click my my fingers and and make it happen, but we could just keep trying, you know, keep trying and pray. Um, probably what I should have did in the middle of our conversation. And it kept occurring to me to say, hey, let's just stop and pray. But, you know, of course, that's not what I did. Um, (laughs) But probably save ourselves a lot of time in that, just stop and pray. But, yeah, just a little keeping it real with y'all, being open. She didn't know. A little real blurb. It just came out. That wasn't something we had prepped to talk about, but... I love you, boo. And I love you too. We we two imperfect people trying to make it work. I mean, I saw a meme this morning and it was so I almost reposted it because it made me holler, but I was like, some people may not take this too kindly, but it's like it says, My husband is my best friend, but sometimes I promise I wanna square up. And that's how I was just feeling. <laughs> I feel. I mean, I love him to death. He is like my best blessing in the world, but he is like the biggest pain in my side. Like I promise I could box him sometimes, but that's what happens when you're with each other. I mean, he knows me so much better than anybody else. And because of that, he knows my quirks. He knows my buttons and vice versa. So it's bound to happen. We good. Not, not, Squaring up. No, I ain't going to square up. I'm not going to box him. I just be feeling like that. I'm just keeping it real. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, he be wanting to karate chop me. <laughs> no, nah, boss. You, you, I, I litigate. I don't fight no more. Let me tell you, this is what he does. He, when he get frustrated with being fair, he just knocks stuff out of hand like our food. It <laughs> 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 <think> it's funny. <laughs> it is hilarious. It is. So, yeah, I do this thing where, it's not out of frustration. It's just being funny. Like I, they'll be holding something. Like, Daddy, look at this, and I knock it out of their hand. It is so funny to me. But my little girl has repeated this behavior. In in my heart, it's hilarious. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I know I I'm flawed. Teaching her all this bad but, stuff. Yeah, it it get her in trouble. I know, but. And I try not to laugh. It's hilarious, though. But anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. Our household. I took uh, Farrah out to the, to the, uh, to, my mom gave her, had, had told her she was going to buy her a toy at our last visit. Why, I don't know. This is not the woman who raised me. I promise you, <laughs> I never, I cannot think of one single time where we were out at a store and my mom bought me a toy when it was not like a, birthday or something or i had earned it or did that never happened and i'm not she trying to did tell Farrah that she was gonna buy her gift. yeah i yeah. can't remember why and then no she just said because it was fallon's birthday that's right and she was like Farrah, i'm gonna get you something but i don't want to give you something on fallon's that's birthday right and she did that intentionally because my dad on the other hand um he's the king of if we go to if we was going to like Kmart or Big Lots or wherever, <laughs> I know we was getting a toy. And and we could just, he'd be like, don't waste your breath. And I knew we was getting something. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> or he'd be like, you don't want no toy. But uh, anyway, she would never, ever buy us no toy. And then she going to just be like, in, in out of the blue, going to call me and be like, I need to text Kimberly because I forgot to get Farrah a toy. And part of me wanted to hate and be like, man, forget that little girl toy. Give me some money. You know what I mean? I'm your baby. 
But anyway, she gave her some money to go get a toy. And she gave her $50. You know that? What? Yeah, I was like, I was like, just tell me the limit and then I'll get it and you could just send me the uh, money. I was like, what? Like, I was going to say $10, but I said, <laughs> let me say $20. She was like, no, I want to give her more than that. And if I would not have like put a, a thing, a, uh, a limit like a, I said twenty to at least put an idea in her mind that like this is what we want you to stay around. Don't say nothing crazy because yeah. you know she'll say something crazy, and uh, she was like, "Well, okay, what about fifty? I like fifty dollars, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna tell her what she how much it is. I'm gonna just be like go and choose." And at first she was choosing like we went to the clearance section. She's like, "I want." The, I was like, "Well, fair." Let's just walk around and look. And then she ended up getting something that was like $34. Because I done trained that baby well. <laughs> she wanted that junk. She, she trained well with you. She be trying to get me, man. Because I be like, you got this How I be like, we this is a math lesson. We okay, you got $3 left. <laughs> I didn't let her spend the whole 50 I just let her get a gift. Mm. And because uh, she, she got enough toys. I wouldn't got her no toys. Yeah. Does she been having good behavior? But so. yeah, she has. But anyway, in the store, man, she is. My kids are like a a walking uh, variety show. We walking around the Walmart, and uh, Farah is just. I mean, just talking randomly. You know, she talks like like she sounds so mature for for her age. Just mm-hmm. some of the stuff that she talks about and the themes that she talks yeah. about. And, uh, I mean, everybody just looking at her and she laughed, getting found laughing. But when my daughter gets excited, um, and I think maybe I do the same, I don't know, but we just have no, um, sense of like environment. So her voice is super loud and she just being loud and like, and I'm like, baby, you got to calm down. But it was hilarious though, just to see how excited she was about this little Barbie car and, (laughs) you know. Just just so happy. Mm. But anyway, mm, mm, um, mm, mm. anything else, Kimberly? Mm, no. Uh, well, y'all be with, well, be with Melvin more so than me. I mean, y'all can pray for me too, but I'm actually doing something about it. We are running the St. Jude 10K in December in Memphis. And <laughs> I've been, I've been running, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm making it towards my goal, but my but my husband next to me has not laced up a shoe, and <laughs> <laughs> and he may not be making it through it. But you know, hey, listen, I am gonna make it by sheer will, or I might Martin Lawrence out there and and fall out. But don't do that. We need you. It, it, but it won't be from lack of trying. I, I gotta get it in though. I you know I just got this. I'm the type of dude who will just randomly start running and go run a few miles. But it just ain't kicked in. I need to do something. But, baby, you getting on up there in age. You ain't going to, you know, come on. <laughs> I mean, let's be realistic. See, y'all see where I'm, we talking about the realistic thing coming in? It's like, you don't get out there and pass out. I need you. <laughs> okay, touche. Touche. Anyways, you want to get on into this lesson? Yeah. Um, well, it ain't a lesson, y'all. It's a discussion. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a- as we do a lot of times, we we kind um, sometimes we get 
inspired just to talk about things that's happening, you know, in the world. And sometimes we get here lately, though, it seems like um, we've just been doing some some great stuff uh, on Sundays, man. And uh, one of my favorite uh, figures in the in the Bible is David. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from just just studying David's life out and, and how he reacts to things. Because more than anything, it's just this idea. I don't know when when I first heard this term, but, um, you know, I really didn't grow up reading the Bible or anything like that. I went to church, but I definitely didn't read the Bible. Um, but, you know, so it was as a as a, a grown-up, but a grown-up, that's funny. But, uh, you know, this idea of David being a man after God's own heart, and that has always just stuck in my mind, like, like, what, what is that? And, you know, when I first heard that, I kind of went back in my mind to just the, the high, the, the, the big stories I know about David, you know, like David and Goliath. And that's probably all I knew at the time. So probably just King stopped David. I, did, yeah. I, I didn't know why everybody talked about King David growing up, but I knew he was some big because it was King David and yeah. David and David and Goliath. That's so I thought of somebody magnificent. Right. In a man after God's own heart, you would think that that, I think in, in, in my mind, and I think in a lot of, a lot of our minds, that is equivalent to like, uh, piety or, or righteousness or, you know, that, that has some connection with, with, um, yeah, just his, his righteousness, just being a really righteous guy. Um, and, I, I never really thought of, of him being a super flawed character. Now, of course, you know, it, for for those who don't know, if you, you want to read about the life of David, just look through First and Second Samuel. Um, but you'll find out pretty quickly that that David was, was a, as flawed as anybody else. Um, and in a couple of our past episodes, um, we talked about just the, the uh, comparison of David and Saul. So Saul was in, for people who already know, don't, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm just breaking down the story just in case. Um, but Saul was a king uh, before David and he was the first anointed king of Israel. And, um, you know, Saul did, had, had done a bunch of things that were disobedient to God. Um, and he had that right taken away. And so Samuel uh, went and, and anointed David the, the next king. And that was, then that led to the whole David and Goliath. And, I mean, you know, there were a lot of things that, that ended up happening after that. So, um, but basically, a big part of, of this narrative is the comparison between Samuel and David. And um, just how they, uh, you know, just comparing, comparing and contrasting their lives. <clears throat> and, um, you know, sorry, I'm trying to look in. Looks like my computer wasn't recording, but it is. Sorry, guys. Mm. Uh, but anyway, um, this, this what we'll talk about today, um, we'll kind of go along that thread, but... Um, 
the title of, of Mark's message was uh, David's slide from faith to fear. And um, I mean, I thought it was, it was amazing. It was awesome. And, you know, like we've mentioned in previous episodes, um, our church is, is in the midst of a series, a teaching series about over the life of David. And just, you know, and, and yesterday was just examining where we, we've talked about where he has had these moments of great faith. You know, to slay Goliath, you know, he was the only one that, (laughs) you know, like Mark had brought a good point up. Like we had just previously read where he was telling the army, you know, who is this that is disrespecting God? Like I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I've killed all these things to save sheep. You know, and the God who provided for me then is going to provide for me now while I go out here and kill this Philistine Goliath. Well, then a couple of chapters later, we read that this faith has diminished a little bit. And now we see a more fearful David. And that's what we examined. That's what was the lesson yesterday where we examined that aspect. Right. Because I'm sure that there was... The, the same temptation to be fearful as any other time when you're facing Goliath, but he just had this, this incredible confidence in God. But, um, so a quote that, that he kind of started out with, um, and, and Mark does a good job at always just trying to relate these things to, uh, like just to regular life. Um, and, you know, he talked about like discouragement. Um, and he said, uh, discouragement is fear stretched out over time. Mm-hmm. So, so in our lives, we may not be facing Goliath, but we, we may be facing things. We may see discouragement in our lives or be discouraged over a job or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But really all that is, is fear stretched out over a period of time. Yeah. And it'll make more sense as we get into it. So, um, let's set the stage here. Uh, We'll start out with a scripture um, that uh, we'll start. Let's start out in First Samuel twenty, verse five through seven. I'll set it up, and then you can read the scripture, Kimberly. You got your Bible. So basically, in short, uh, David is. Uh, it's the worst kept secret in the world that Saul is is after David, right? Um, there's been a whole bunch of different things, and it's just built up this tremendous amount of animosity because Saul knows that he's no longer the anointed one. Um, and so there's been this a tremendous amount of animosity built up between David and Saul. Saul has tried repeatedly to put David in positions that would get him uh, killed, and, you know, it, it is very obvious that um, something is not right with with uh David and Saul's relationship. And uh, in this scripture, David is talking to Saul's son, Jonathan. And um, Kimberly, you can start. Okay. So starting chapter 20 and verse 5. And um, it says, David replied, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. 
If your father asks where I am, tell him I asked permission to go home to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says fine, you'll know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, you will know he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord, or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father. But please don't betray me to him. And that went on down into, that was verses five through eight, actually. Right. And um, so, like I said in, before, you know, there's, if you read First Samuel 18, um, and just a lot of chapters before this, you just get this narrative of Saul coming after David. Mm-hmm. And what is produced is uh, worry. You know, David is is in a position where he has. Um, I mean, this is the king, so again, he's he's face to face with insurmountable odds. Like the king, the most powerful m- person in his sphere, you know, with his army, right, is after you. Now, David, we can we can compare this to. Um, David going up against Goliath. This isn't a new situation for David. Um, and let's take a look at that. First Samuel 17. Let's try 37. First Samuel 17, verse 37. Sorry. You want me to read it? Yeah, so here it is. Um, And this is right after, you know, when he's saying, hey, I'm going to go and uh, I'll fight Goliath or whatever. And they give him reasons why he shouldn't do it. And he's like, uh, your servant, and this is starting in verse 36, 1736. It says, uh, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Uh, Saul, said, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So, you know, let's compare these two things in that in the in the the earlier with David and Goliath. David has this incredible confidence. He starts to remember all the places that God had delivered him from before. And he's like, he's going to do the same thing again. You know, not, not, and he's not thinking about his own ability here. He's just thinking of God's willingness and ability to save him. Whereas in this new situation, you know, his first thing is, let me figure out a way to like, let me make a plan. You know what I mean? I, it, it didn't seem like he was making no big plan to go up against Goliath. He was like, I know what's going to happen. And even if you read the rest of the story, you know, he go out there, pick up a couple of rocks. You know, they try to put armor on him. He's like, man, this armor is too heavy. I'm going to get these rocks and I'm going to go make this happen. You know, whereas in this new situation, he has, he's coming up with, with, different plans and schemes to try to figure out what Saul is thinking, um, trying to figure out and, and figure out the best way to approach it. 
And, you know, something that was pointed out, which is so true to what we do in our lives, you know, um, it's when we neglect that God has his protection over us and we try to take things into our own hand. When we do that, that is fear. That's how fear works out into our lives, because if we're faithful and we're trusting then we don't have to take anything into our hands. We just continue on the way that we go. And with that first scheme that David was talking about with Jonathan, like, you know, it, you know, it's it's very deceitful. You know, he wasn't going to Bethlehem. He he wasn't he was about to go hide. You know, and this was his way of trying to figure out if Saul was really that mad to really kill him. You know what I'm saying? And this is, you know, and it's, you know, I have to say, like, when you read it, when I read it and I was listening to it, I was like, that ain't no good plan. Like, what do you think you're going to accomplish? Like, if he does want to kill you, what are you going to do? Like, like this, this ain't a good plan. (laughs) Right. And, you know, so have, have, have you had situations in your life that can kind of relate to this? Oh yeah. Of course. Times where I'm worried and I know that there's really not much like in my mind, I know that there's not much that I can do, but I'm just trying to do something. And I can think of like one particular situation. We've talked about this in earlier scenarios. I mean, episodes, when I lost my job, when I lost my job, when I was pregnant with my firstborn, you know, I felt a lot of anxiety and worry. Now here I am, pre- I felt stuck because for so many reasons, you know, and that brought on a lot of worry because I was not given a heads up. So I couldn't prepare for another job. It was so close to the holidays and you know how it is around Christmas time. You got Christmas and then the next week you got New Year's. A lot of places are closed. So wasn't nobody hiring. I mean, people weren't interviewing. So I had to just sit, you know, and then, so, oh, go ahead. I'll, let's rewind it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like the approach getting up to, to, to getting pregnant. Like when we got pregnant and, you know, we're kind of saying hey we're gonna have to um you know I remember your just your line of thinking when through your pregnancy trying to save up your days trying to not um you know going to work sick and yeah putting up with a lot of things what about that talk about yeah that's part. part of it too you know but you know when you ask me that my first thing goes into the panic that I felt that David, like what parallels with David's feeling Mm -hmm. that it's more of when I actually lost the job, because instead of just like, you know, looking at what was around me, because that was something that was brought up yesterday too. Is like, you know, God has always been there, you know, but like, because we had been saving, we had money, you know what I'm saying? We had, other avenues but 
instead of me sitting there and just like trusting, I felt like, okay, so I'm going to have to go look for this job and I'm going to have to this. And I'm getting irritated with Melvin because I think he should be doing as much. He should be running around like I am. And I just created this whole storm of like anxiety for myself. And it wasn't until, you know, I remember it clear as day. Like I was up one night in the middle of the night, you know, pumping milk <laughs> and so worried about my job search because was I wasn't finding anything that would suit us, you know, with our needs, you know. And so it was just like I was at ground zero. And I remember like just sitting there in the mist, in the dark, just saying, you know what, God, you're going to be my, my job recruiter. And I'm just going to do everything I can. I'm going to make sure that my, I'm going to get up. I'm going to apply for jobs every single day. I'm going to make sure my resume is good. I'm ready to go at a moment's notice, but I'm tired of feeling like this, you know? And at that point it started turning over, but up until then, I mean, it was like I was trying to do a lot of moving and shaking, you know. And so that panic that David had, I can relate to that in that moment, you know, in that moment feeling like it's not enough to just sit and wait and see what God God is going to tell me to do. I, I got to do something because I was fearful. I was discouraged. Yeah. I'm, I mean, just even in that time, I'll tell you what I took away from that time. And for me, the... Like, that's my go-to move, man. And that's probably why I can, I, I think I, I relate to all the dumb things David did, right? Like, if of anybody, I have seen God move, you know, powerfully, right? Like, I've seen God, God has literally taken out some, some Goliath-sized things in my life. And, um, you know, I get... During that time, I can just remember, um, just right during the pregnancy even, I just had this high anxiety of, um, you know, I'm I'm counting every penny, every dollar. Like, I'm being super, like, attentive to everything. Like, I get in go mode, right? And I'm just making all of these plans, and I'm making all of these, uh, you know, thinking about all these different scenarios. Um you know, I remember there were times where Kimberly was really tired. And, and as her husband, I probably should have been like, hey, you just need to stay home. Um, and I remember her having some anxiety about, you know, not wanting to get out, save her days off. And I definitely was not doing anything to protect her in that. I was right along with it. Like, yeah go to work. Let's save these days off. Let's save this time. I'm counting up like to the week of how much, you know, we're going to need to, to get past this, this whole situation. And just, again, just living in fear as opposed to living in faith. Um, and you can compare that to, you know, I, all I had to do, what I w wasn't doing was stopping and looking at how God had moved in our lives thus far. Um, you know, when we just in short, when we moved to Texas, you know, I had, uh, you know, become a Christian in, uh, 2001 and, uh, then I, um, you know, just left, left the church and was just, 
around 2004, 2005. Um, and, you know, I just was living wild, you know what I mean? Definitely not as wild as I had before, but still, I'm not thinking about, you know, God or anything like that. Um, and the the events that had to take, the series of events that took place to wind me up in Texas um, and getting my relationship with God back together. Were, and at the same time, Kimberly in Tennessee, completely isolated from me, doing the same thing. I mean, it, it was nothing short of a miracle. So even the very reason we're in Texas, God had given me such a recent example of of how in control he was you know it was it was so it was so easy to see and if i would have just opened my eyes and looked at that i would i would have looked at i would have been like hey let's pray about this and you know there were signs that she probably should have left that job yeah way before yeah. but we were we were in fear doing things yeah. that we knew we should not have we should have mm-hmm. left that job and instead of just doing it being in fear and trying to hold on to something to be safe. And and in our reality, it was like, as soon as we had this baby, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave this job. And it would, cha- it would change. So it started like this. This is where, really where it started. Right when I found out I was pregnant, early, early, it was like maybe six, eight weeks pregnant. I started, it was, I had a conversation with my boss that rubbed me the wrong way. Like, he got an attitude with me. And you know how you can start seeing people's true colors? And right then, that was the first glimmer of, like, hmm, this may not be a place you need to be. And I remember telling Melvin about it, and we just kind of sitting there pondering over it. And it was like, okay, should I leave now or should I wait? And me feeling fearful because I'm pregnant. Like, who's going to hire a pregnant woman? Though I was, like, only six weeks, eight weeks pregnant, my first NP job, I, I'm, you know, I'm fearful. Then it turned into, well, you're going to have the baby and you're never going to come back to the, to the clinic. That was our plan. We're never, I'm going to leave on maternity leave and put my notice in. Then it was like, yeah, well, we're going to go and then you're going to come back and then tie up loose ends and then leave. So it kept, that fear kept adding extra when I knew back at six weeks pregnant, this ain't the place you probably need to be in. This may not be conducive for you and your family, but you see how fear will just keep like, like it said, it's like discouragement is fear stretched out over time. Right. Cause at the end of the day, you just really placing yourself in a situation that is, you know, you just feel sad, you know what I mean? And this is during her pregnancy. And so you had two people paralyzed by fear. Yeah. Um, Because as her husband, I definitely was not doing a good job leading her spiritually um, because I was paralyzed by fear. I, I could have focused her on on God, you know what I mean? But um, let's, uh, there, there is a, you know, David's, actions kind of got even even more uh serious um in was it first samuel 21 2 and and that's typical you know we're just reading snippets of these but you should definitely go back and and read all of first samuel really 18 through like 22 um 
yeah to get what we're talking about because it's a it's a little lengthy it's a good read but it's too lengthy for us to read on the podcast or you can we'll uh i'll leave a link and you can check out the the sermon it's definitely i won't even try to re-preach it because i won't do any justice to it. it it was phenomenal it was great um where is it at? 21-2. You want to read that, Kimberly? 21-2. Now, do you want to just summarize it, or do you want me to like, read to what? Um, just 20. Here, I'll just read it real quick. So, again, this is like uh, David is still trying to, uh, he, gets, he gets caught up by this, uh, he went to Nob, and um, went to this priest, uh, and the priest was like, uh, you know, basically like, David, man, what are you doing here? Why are you alone? Why, you know, he's seeing David, the hero here. What, what are you doing here? And David answers him, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about uh, the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what have you, uh, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread and whatever you can find. Um, again, uh, David is, is lying, lying. Like he was not sent by Saul to do nothing. He's on the run. Yeah. He's fleeing. And so he's trying to get some supplies and some resources so he can continue to run. And he lies to this priest. And basically what happens is, just so happens that, um, who is the guy? Doeg, the chief herdsman for Saul, happens to be at the same place at the same time and sees David. So he runs back and he tells Saul. Well, Saul, of course, gets very angry and doesn't even go and ask for an explanation. He just says, Hey, um, everybody that helped him, I want you to kill all those priests. And I want to want you to kill all their family, their, their, their wives, their children, even their infants. I want you to kill all their animals. I want you to wipe out this whole town. And he gets a little kickback. But then there's somebody who definitely goes over there and does it. And uh, the only person that gets away is the initial priest. What is it? Ahimelech's son. He's the only one that uh, is able to, um, the only one that is able to uh, get away. He goes back. He ends up telling David. And because of David's lie, little lie, you know, that little white lie, he thought probably wasn't going to hurt anybody. He cost many their lives, innocent people who didn't even know, like they just was, they didn't even know what was going on. Wasn't even privy to it. But, you know, Saul was so angry, didn't even ask, you know, everybody going to be wiped out because he was thinking that they were trying to aid him in fleeing when in essence they weren't. And so, I guess to me where I can put that up against my life and parallel that to my life, you know, it's so easy for us to think that we can sin or we can do something small and that it's not going to affect anybody. You know, 
one lie can turn into another lie, which turns into another lie and it becomes a snowball. Um, the point that he made um, from Sunday was like, your sin will always find you out. Like you can't get away. You can't get away from that stuff, you know? And I'm, I'm positive that when um, David, David went to Nob, he wasn't thinking that everybody was going to get hurt because of him. He was just trying to, he was just thinking about himself, you know, thinking about, okay, I need some more rations and resources to get out of Dodge, you know? And because of that, he cost many people their lives. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> this is, I mean, this has to be like a, a low for David. And and again, I go back to just that, that idea of David being a man after God's own heart and comparing him to Saul, you know, is we, it's very easy to see, you know, where Saul is evil, but David, you know, his, his behavior has, has led to a bunch of innocent deaths yeah. um, and has led to, you know, that could have got, you know, and put a lot of other people in, in bad situations, having Jonathan lie. Like you never know what could have happened there. And, um, you know, if you read right before all of this in 18, um, it, God gives, you know, David's got, God gives David and Saul several different signs to show that he is, that God is with him. Um, and I don't want to butcher it, but basically anybody who goes after, goes looking for David ends up stopping in their tracks and starts prophesying. And um, even Saul, when he goes out there, stops in his tracks and starts prophesying to a point to where it's like, okay. Saul definitely ain't a prophet. How is this happening? God is with you, David. So God is like all the time trying to let David know, hey, man, don't worry. I got you. I got you. And he, even with Saul, Mark made the point of like, even with Saul, Saul, God is still trying to reach Saul by giving him these signs. The spirit came upon Saul. And I say all that to say is like, you know, we're not so different than David. Like I said, man, when we're going through that thing with, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. man. I could just sit back and look and I'm like, man, how silly were we to, you know, to, to even be worrying about it? Because at the, the whole time it was like, God was like trying to did everything short of like slapping us in the face to, to be like, Hey, I, I got you guys. This is not where you want to be. Just come to me and pray. And, and, you know, maybe if we would have taken it to God wholeheartedly, the, it, we would have been led to be like, Hey, let's get out. Let's, you don't need to be at this job. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, God was increasingly loud in his voice, trying to let us know and put us into a position to where, all we could do was depend on him. And I think sometimes we could be going through things in life where it seems like, like, where are you, God? Like, why, why are you letting this stuff happen to me? Um, you know, and just to be open sometimes, man, that's like my, like my heart almost wants to go there sometimes when something bad is happening, like, God, what? But I don't, 
I'm too much of a coward to ver- verbalize that. But if I'm being honest, like deep inside, I can feel that why me? I may not say God, why me? But I'm saying woe is me. And that's the, in, in feeling discouraged. And it's the same thing. You know what I mean? And get this feeling of like, instead of opening my eyes and seeing, like, I'll tell you why me, because God has a plan. And we spent all of that time, you know, struggling and worrying. And it God had to strip everything away to get us to a point to where, you know, we both had to break down and just take it to God because it was either, I tell you what, man, it, that was one of those situations where either I'm about to give it to God or I'm about to, y'all gonna have to pardon me, but I'm gonna have to hit the block. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have to start making some ill gotten gain because that, that's my next, that was probably going to be my next thought. You know what I'm saying? When I'm thinking about, I'm going to take care of my family by any means necessary. Oh, my gosh. I just remember what you were going to do. One of the things you were going to do. So, you know how in the mail <laughs> you get these like. Oh, man, you snitching. <laughs> you know how you get these things about like uh, you taking out a loan, like at one of those cash in places. But it's like it's a rip off because the interest you're going to have to like pay not only that loan back, but like probably twice as much as it it's worth back and it's not worth it in the long run. And he was like, you know, it's saying to give, they're going to give us $1,500. I was like, but at what cost? Like, <laughs> like we can't pay that back right now and we can't pay $3,000 back. And that's what we're going to have to pay back. And it was just like, Melvin, like, I, I like feel like I had to like shake him. It was like, this is not the answer. Like, we need to just be still and wait. We need to be still and know that he is God, just like what the Psalm says, like, this is not the answer. Like, you're panicking. And that's what happens. And we all do that. Like, we can all do that. I don't think that was that time. Now, that was, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think that was. was another time. No, 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 no. Was it? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, it was like, no, you're right. It was because we were living in the apartment. So, so, but no, I was in between, I had just graduated. So we done had a lot of stuff, y'all. I had just graduated and I was still working at the bedside in in a position as a registered nurse. And with that big move, we just didn't have a lot of liquid assets. Like we just had just enough to get by. And we had other things that were popping up, that were coming up. And that we needed money for, and we just didn't know. And so Melvin, we got that thing in the mail, and he was like, you know what? You know, like, this will just help us get back on our feet. And I was like, no, that's taking two. That's taking one step forward to take two steps back. Like, that's really what I looked at it like. And I'm, I I promise you, if I would have went on, if I would have been like, eh, oh, yeah, we would have, that would have, uh, you would have gone with it. Like that next yeah, day, that you would have gone. that was earlier. So you're trying to bring in But still, stuff. though. But, but anyway, that, that let's get back panic. on topic. That was still, you was still. It was panic, but it, that was a different panic. That was a. That, that was, was still one trying to take it in your own yeah, hand. Yeah. Foolish. That would have been foolish of us. You see, listen, let me confess my old sin. Don't be I mean, you here. come, hey. We Don't be out here We're trying to keep it real for the people. <laughs> We're trying to keep it real. But yeah, I mean, you know. 
and and again that we we're just we were just so so far from from what reality was yep and and it took god stripping away all the things that that were th- that were that was blocking us to get us to distrust him and um you know send us to the to the cave basically um and here goes a cool uh psalm here that I'll read <clears throat> oh before you before you do that do you want to read 22 uh when david goes to the cave since you mentioned it verses yeah. 1 through 2 mm-hmm. so so um starting out this is entitled david flees to a cave in adalam and it says so this is after all has happened you know um Saul hasn't massacred the priest yet, but he flees, you know, after speaking with them and he goes and it says, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Right. And this is so these don't really sync up totally uh, with that because this psalm is written after the whole insanity thing, um, which happens after that, I think. But um, anyway, this is Psalm 34. And just bear with me as I read through this. It says... uh, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at me, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord and the Lord heard him he saved him out of all his troubles the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge in him fear the Lord you his holy people for those who fear him lack nothing the lions may grow weak and hungry but those who seek the Lord Lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear. The, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord, the righteous person may have many, may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. 
He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So this is the, the, the Psalm's explanation is it's written right after he pretended to be insane uh, before Abimelech and, and he was driven away into the cave. Um, so sometime in that cave, I don't know how long, but sometime in that cave, David, you know, when all the chips are down and he's all, you know, probably at the end of his rope, he's seen all the things that have happened, um, you know, somewhere in, in there, David, remember, you know, turned to God and called upon God. And I can, in, in, even though it may not say these, all of this in this, in this Psalm, if you read the Psalms of David, you can really see that, um, there, there are times where he's writing where he almost reminds himself about the, the awesomeness of God. And I can only feel like, like this Psalm is like, the last half of his thought, you know what I mean? He was probably having this real conversation with God, talking, asking him and talking through the whole situation and things that are going on. And, and somehow the tone changes and he is, you know, brought back to, to understanding, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't know, it's, it's just a, a great illustration to, how David, why David is a man after God's own heart, not because he was the most righteous man or made the best decisions or, you know, always did exactly what God prescribed or always, but when he fell down, he would, he, his, his default move was like, he knew where the problem was. Like once he got, once he got it, he got it. In his, his, anytime David was doing, was not doing well, it was always when he was taking it in his own hands. But his, at his best, at his, when he caught his stride, it was always those times where he was chasing after God. And it seems like this whole, from first, second Samuel through the Psalms, it's just the story, this tale of a man who's just, goes through ups and downs, but all of it, he's just chasing after God. And so after I start reading things like this, the the meaning of a man after God's own heart just kind of changed for me. Like from God's perspective, yeah, he's a man after my own heart. But I look at it as like a man running after God's heart, a man chasing to have the heart of God, not only his heart being like the heart of God, but also running at not only running after his heart to be like the heart of God, but also running after God's heart, like to to get close and to grasp God's heart. You that's know what I'm saying? That's how I always uh, thought when I hear that, that's what I always thought about. I never thought about it the first way, like a man after God's own heart as to obtain the heart of God. I always thought of it as he's, after God himself's heart, like to win his heart, you know, doing things to win God's approval, 
you know. So not even that is like so, not even the so again, that was what I, I like. So I feel like it is so far away because he didn't do as much stuff as he did to win God's approval. He did to to <laughs> to blot well, himself out. Well, maybe not the word is not approval, but like. I, this is what I look at it like. I look at it in terms of a a marriage, mm-hmm. right? And and if you pick apart like all the stuff around marriage, at its very core, by me marrying you, what I have said is like I'm gonna spend the rest of my life learning how you tick. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the rest of my life figuring out how how you tick so i can get closer to you figuring out what what are the things that that prohibit me from getting close to you and just being able to you know be in sync with you and that's how i look at it with like chasing after god's heart is not like because i think david really understood that like there's nothing he could do to earn God's approval, you know, he just wanted to be near God. And, and I think those were the aspects, like the character, it's like a characteristic of Jesus. I think that's why Jesus was able to overcome the things that, the being hit with the same temptations that David did. Bible says he, he faced every temptation known to man. I think the difference between David and Jesus was that Jesus didn't have these periods of loss of focus like he just always knew where to turn when temptation came where did he turn right away there wasn't this hiccup there wasn't this thing along so because Jesus had been so like you know was in the 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 presence of God it, there wasn't the same I don't know like almost not the same bear, he he knew God, you know what I mean? Jesus knew God and David was trying to know God. Mm-hmm. And he knew that like, no matter how deep he fell, no matter how low he went, the answer ultimately was just let me get close to God. Like I, I'm not going to go out here and try to fix all this stuff anymore. I'm going to this cave and he may have been running to the cave to escape, but Ultimately, he got to that cave, and and at some point in time, all them four hundred people and all that everything else, it became just David and God, and he got to have a conversation and get to the point that where his mind was back on track, and he remembered, wait a minute, and now let me tell everybody else. You see what I'm saying? So when have you had a cave moment, like a come to Jesus moment, a come to the cave moment? Man, I've had. A lot of come to the cave moments. Um, a lot of them, man. Um, I think I've talked about some before just with a lot of them happen like with my job. But I can say even in that moment with uh, that we talked about, you know, I definitely had a come to the cave moment where, you know, I had to to go. I think you got there before me, but I had to go and just really just pray and get my my head together. I had to go get advice, but I definitely had to go and just pray. And, and, and for me, 
the reason why I, I, I kind of gave that narrative about David is that how that's how it works for me. I'll start out praying and I'll just be open with God and just uh, like all my, you know, all my fears about cause sometimes I can be afraid to be real with God. Like, like, I don't want to say things that are going to be offensive instead of just keeping it real. Like, God, I don't know why this is happening. And just talk to God. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to disrespect God, but just being, yeah, he already, already knows. knows. And once I break down that wall, like for me, once I break down that wall of fear of communication with God, like really communicating where I am, then it, it just kind of pours out. And I'm just talking to God. And in that situation, I got to a point to where I just started thinking about everything God had done for me and thinking about like how much God had moved and how out of impossible God made possible. And it was like my eyes just opened wide up and it even even before things started to change, I could just see so clearly how none of this stuff mattered. Like God was going to take care of us. And once that happened, then I could make better decisions. Like I, it, you, and I think you can probably remember a point in time where I, I became like, I wasn't, I still was resolute in, in making decisions, but it was not, they weren't fear-based decisions. It was, you know, I started doing research. I started making sure that I could be a support to you instead of, you know, adding worry. And so in that situation, that was my go to the cave moment. I think I've had, I had one here recently with uh, dealing with my job, just struggling with, with just different aspects of it and worrying about my future and having a lot of fear. Um, and I just had to, and I think I probably need another cave moment because I still kind of struggle with fear sometimes in that, but I think when I think when I think about like the, I guess, hashtag come to the cave moment, I don't know how we would say it, but when I think of that and how I parallel this, how David is here, I think of what my spiritual cave would be. And I'm thinking more so of like, okay, I've been out here messing around, scheming, sinning, doing whatever, not consulting God. And now I've come to this spiritual cave of mine because I've come because I fleed, I've escaped or trying to escape or whatever. But in this darkness of this cave, I have no choice but to confront where my life is. And I have a choice to make. Am I going to continue to flee or am I going to come back to my first love and let him work out this mess that I've gotten myself into? And that's where I think that David, when I read it, that's how it translates to me. And so I can think of like even pre-disciple phase for me before I got really committed to God. Um, when I was in undergrad and I was faced with the, the uh, and I was getting ready to graduate from school in the nursing program, my BSN program, you know, I could have done a lot better in my BSN program. I still graduated with over a 3.0, but 
that was barely hanging on. And you know, Melvin, I struggled. There was an exit exam that I struggled to pass because I spent the the previous two years not really committing things to memory and applying it, you know? So when it came time for the comprehensive exit exam, it took me three times to pass. And at our actual convocation, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, you know, I really squandered my opportunity, you know, and I hate to say it, but I was looking around at some of my my colleagues, some of my uh, classmates, and some of these very people who were graduating with honors and getting all these awards, I actually were helping a lot of these people in clinicals and on projects and I'm thinking like, what did you do, Kim? Like you didn't make the most of this situation. And I remember sitting there in my cap and gown thinking to myself, I knew I was going to go get my master's eventually. And I was like, God, if you give me another chance, I'm not going to blow that opportunity. And sure enough, when I got to my master's, when it got a few years later, when it was time for me to do my master's, Melvin, I tell you, I blew that thing out the water. You know, I had a choice to make, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like, that kind of parallels that's an example you know for me you know I went to my my dark spiritual cave and I thought to myself wow I've really made kind of a mess of things so what you gonna do about it Kim you know and um you know thankfully I made the right decision that time I can't say I've always made the right decision every time (laughs) yeah um I think regardless of it you know when I think of of Satan and what his goals are, you know, it's just to kind of trick us and and into believing that wherever it is, we it's too much for us to get out of. And I think, you know, as people, it's built into us to survive. And so to survive, you know, whether it is sin or it is you know, sin is, is typically the big thing, you know, some sort of, like, it is easier to ignore it or to try to, like, blame other things for our position in life, where we're at, what we're doing, what we have going on, blame other people, blame other things. Um, but the most freeing thing in the world is just being open in I think it is important to be open with other people and and confess. That's so freeing. But I think equally, if not even more, um, is having open dialogue with God. And so you can really pick apart where where you're at. You know what I mean? Like when you're struggling – because there's different times where I'm struggling with sin, man, where I can stay focused on, I can be so focused on the, the thing that all I, I'm kind of doing the David thing where all I'm worried about is stopping whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, and that I, in and of myself, don't have the power to repent. Otherwise, my life would have changed way before getting the Holy Spirit. I could have did it on my own. Why not? I tried many other times. So I do have the power to to quit stuff, 
But like really true repentance can only come from going to God. And I think this we I think we see it time and time again in the scriptures. I think this this uh instance with David um is a is a a demonstration of you know I guess a truly repentant heart like going from like look if you look through that psalm he just he was the guy who was lying in in being deceitful and he goes through and he's talking about like now he's saying hey this ain't the way to go you know and he's talking about how God's power can can transform can transform you but it all starts with with knowing where you're at and being being open like with others and with God and I think the important thing about being open with other people is sometimes it's going to take their prayers to get you to a position to even be able to to get cuz that's why we're open with one another so we can pray for one another um but get you to a position to where you can you can have that open and honest dialogue but ultimately I think we all at times are due for just a trip to the cave, you know, a trip to the, to the man cave, you know, and, um, or the lady, or the lady cave where we can just be vulnerable and open and real with God. And we got to be patient, man. We got to be in it for the long haul because sometimes you don't see your, your, your sin in the, in the matter. Sometimes you just got to start out just talking to God about the thing, and eventually you'll get to see where it is that you are in error. And then that, you know, like I said, a lot of times for me, it starts out being open about my feelings to God. And then, eh, you know, after a while, it turns into confession and asking for forgiveness for whatever. And, and nine times out of ten, I didn't even know that this thing was here. And then it goes to rejoicing. And I leave out of there a new creature, like a new, with a new outlook on life. And it happens every time. And it's that, and, and it, sometimes it, you know, I'm pigheaded enough that it takes, sometimes it takes a lot for me to get to that point and then to finally break down and go into that room. And I'm not just talking about my regular prayers. I'm talking about that, that prayer, man, where I'm like, I got to get through this. I think if anything, the take home that we can really, or at least I'll, I'll, I'll share my take home. Okay. And you can chime in with yours. All of this in the midst of it all is encouraging because I look at someone like David, who is so flawed. And if we were to transport him into modern times, we would probably categorize him as everything that was wrong with the world. You know what I'm saying? Like we could just dissect his life, but because we get the Bible that can tell us about his inner thoughts and and what, how he worked through things, it encourages me that I am not a lost cause myself. There is no place that I can fall so far where God can't bring me up out of. And What is so encouraging about this story, too, is that even in the midst of it all, God was also trying to reach out 
and save Saul as well. So there is nothing that we can do. Um, I think I had read this in a scripture. I think it was in a psalm. It was in a previous episode where there's nothing that nothing or no one that can snatch us from God's hand. And this is a living story of that. So that's my take home. That is my take home. Yeah, you know what? I think I think you made that my take home, man. Like it that that's it. You know. So yeah, wherever wherever you got you might be while you're listening to this, you know, I know for me myself, I'm taking that. I'm I'm ingesting that. It it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, even if you have done something that has resulted in the death of 85 priests and uh, the whole (laughs) population of a town, basically, you know, God is, is, that's not, that's nothing when it's compared to God's power. Mm -hmm. Like God is, is all powerful and can always transform you. And, you know, it's, it's nothing but a, a decision to fight to to go after God's heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a decision to change. Cause maybe you maybe you don't feel like you can make the decision to change. I ain't even saying that. It's a decision to go after God's heart. And then everything else will fall into place. And I I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I don't always put that into practice and that's the struggle, you know, but just waste time doing anything else. But yeah, anything else, Kimmy? No, I don't have anything else. I'm just really enjoying the series. Um, David is also one of my favorite characters, and it's actually making me he. It's actually making me like push him up the list. You know, he wasn't my number one favorite, but he was definitely on like the top five, and now he's like. I think he's like number one now. And so this has been a really, really good series. It's been really good for my heart and my spiritual walk. And so I definitely um, think that we sh- we're we going to um, link the um, the sermon for you guys. It-, it was just, it was awesome. We're just not doing it. I don't feel like we can do it justice. You know, we're just telling you all our thoughts. But anything else? Any last words before I log us off? No, that's it. All right, guys, again, you have been listening to the Soul Sense Podcast. We appreciate you, oh, so appreciate you so much for just listening and going on this journey with us. We we pray that you continue to do that. Please share this with people. Um, talk about it. Keep the conversation going, you know what I'm saying? And so, anywho, we'll catch y'all next week. This is Kim, and this is also Melvin, and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.